these candles as a symbol of hope when we are overwhelmed, when we are frightened. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. As we read the promises that God has given his people, the word of God gives us hope. Psalm 25, 1-7. In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. This is the word of the Lord for us. My name is Nathaniel. I'm a member here of my family. And uh, just uh, John asked me to share a song that I wrote, and uh, this is called Get Ready. And it was inspired um, five years ago when we were uh, watching a horse race with uh, our neighbors in a formerly unreached village in Outer Mongolia. And so it's kind of interesting. Um, the Our neighbors were... We're all kind of sitting around after a really long, long cross-country horse race. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, some music starts playing. And everybody starts standing up and looking intently in the distance. And you can see some dust rising over the hills. And uh, so everybody got up and started watching and waiting for the, the victor to show up. And uh, I said, hey, hey, there's my king is coming back on horseback. And uh, so that inspired this song. It's called Get Ready. I'm going to um, sing it in the Mongolian tongue first, then I'll, I'll uh, sing it uh, in under, with understanding in English for you. So Beltgetske means get ready, okay? Tirtsagan Murunan Ulsin Hamtire Belt Ketke Tirtsagan Murunan Ulsin Hamtire Belt Ketke Chik pur sansik tom, nut pur tunig harna. Belt getske. Uk duk duk sukun, abin adrin tullo. Belt getske. Jesus Christ bolazen gej elbur dushur. Get ready. 
ready. Every eye will see, every ear will hear, and every knee will bow, and every tongue confess. Jesus Christ is Lord, glory to God the Father. Get ready. Jesus. Marvel Studios really should stop sending Mark Ruffalo out on press tours. I don't know if you've caught this or not, but the actor has done spoilers uh, for some of the superhero movies that they've been putting out. He is a mainstay in that franchise as the Hulk, Um, but he always seems to fumble when it comes to revealing details of the superhero movies before they are released. So this has happened on three uh, separate occasions for Ruffalo. So the first was he accidentally live-streamed a pre-screening of one of the movies. <laughs> the, the, uh, the studio, and I don't know if they did this before or if this was a reaction against, but the studio actually records, so for these, these big-time blockbuster superhero movies, they will record several different alternate endings. And so, like, the actors themselves, so Ruffalo included, will act out and spend the time and the energy and the effort to do a number of different takes uh, for different endings, not knowing which one is going to make the actual cut of the final movie. You follow what I'm saying there? So, so he has acted in multiple takes of, of, the, of the ending, but he doesn't know how it's going to go. So he has no idea which one is the real one. So uh, three weeks before Avengers Endgame premiered, he's doing an interview. He's alongside his co-star, Chris Evans, who plays Captain America. And Ruffalo says to the interviewer, he says, I don't know what's going to happen. He says, I shot like five different endings to this movie. But then he points to his co-star and he shouts, he gets married in this. He didn't know that that actually was the ending that, that happened in the film. That, that Captain America travels back in time, reunites with his true love, and Ruffalo spoiled it. That was the most recent of his blunders. Before that, actually, which was his biggest blunder of all, is for the, uh, the Infinity War movie. And so Ruffalo is on Good Morning America, and he's talking about the film, and he seems to get caught up in the moment, and he says to the interview, wait till you see this one, everyone dies. And then he goes, well, half of the superheroes die, <laughs> which is exactly what happens. Half of them die. Now, uh, this was a giant spoiler true. Audiences didn't know exactly which ones would die and which ones would survive, but they knew it was going to be this dramatic twist ending with lots of good guys perishing. Now, spoilers typically are horrible, right? Like when you don't want to know the outcome of a game and you're going to watch it later and you're like, don't tell me what happened. I want to see it myself. You want to see how it plays out. But with the redemptive plan of God that has unfolded throughout Scripture and throughout human history, it is not going to be horrible. So in other words, we have a spoiler. We know how it all ends. We, we know the culmination of human history. We know what's going to happen in God's redemptive plan. We know the end of the story, but it doesn't make it any less thrilling. In fact, as we see God's promises coming true, as we see scripture unfolding, as we look at Old Testament prophecies and their fulfillment in Christ, and we look forward to what is yet in store, it only grows our faith. It only inspires us all the more to do what? 
share the life-giving power of Jesus with the world, which is what God has called us to do here at MCA. And that's what we're going to talk about together this morning. So let me introduce myself. I'm John. I serve as lead pastor here. Thrilled that you're with us today. It is such a joy to be together. Sunday is my favorite day. It's a day to worship. It's a day to gather with brothers and sisters in Christ and to get into his word. I'm praying that through our time together, your heart and home grow stronger in the Lord. So we're in the Christmas season. This Advent, we are talking about the thrill of hope we have in Christ, even as we await his sure return. Really, at the heart of the Christmas season is this deep sense of hope for what could be. And so as we reflect on Christ coming, the Lord sending his one and only son, born as a baby, born in a manger, we realize that his presence means that the brokenness in our world can be restored. And so this morning, uh, we're, we're going to try to, we're going to bite off a lot this morning. <laughs> what, what I would like to do this morning is specifically key in on the fact that the word of God gives us hope. And so we have a lot of scriptures we're going to get to and, and more that we, we don't have time for this morning. But, but that's, where, that's where the Lord has, has led me this morning is, is the word of God and the promises foretold that have already been fulfilled and the promises that are yet to be fulfilled and how that gives us this thrill of hope. The, the, the events of Jesus' birth and his life his ministry, his death, his resurrection, and his sure return. These are all foretold. These are all foretold. This is what the scripture tells us. The scripture tells us, and I hope you were here last week because we talked in depth about the return of Christ. He is coming again. That's what the Bible affirms. And so we are encouraged. And I want to encourage you this morning. As, you, as we look into the scriptures, be encouraged to take heart. God has fulfilled his promises in the past. And that gives us all the more confidence and hope that he will fulfill them in the days that lie ahead. So the primary place we're going to be this morning is Romans chapter 15. I hope you brought your Bible with you this morning. Please open it up. Turn to Romans 15. Let's go ahead and look at verse 4 together. So Romans chapter 15, verse 4. I'm reading from the NIV. It says this, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have what? I can't hear you we might have hope based on the scriptures, based on what God has said. And as we watch those things unfold, the apostle Paul says to the church in Rome, so that we might have hope, the the encouragement these scriptures provide. And so that's really the heart and the spirit behind the sermon this morning. So let's talk about the Old Testament prophecies. And if you were here a couple years ago, I think it was 2021, we did our Advent series in... Isaiah, the gospel according to Isaiah, 125 prophecies just from Isaiah about Jesus. So what do the Old Testament prophets say about the Messiah, the one who's coming to rescue and redeem? Well, they say that he's going to be from Nazareth, but he's going to be born in Bethlehem. He's going to do ministry in Galilee. He's going to be from the tribe of David. He's going to be preceded by a forerunner. During his life, he will perform miracles. 
He's going to come as a teacher and also as a servant. These are the prophecies about the Redeemer and the Messiah. They sound like descriptions of Jesus to me. The prophecies say that this would be the one to bring salvation to Israel, but also be a light to the Gentiles, a light to the world. And that through him, salvation would extend to the ends of the earth. The prophecies about the Messiah say that he would be despised and rejected. They say that he would be struck in the face, that he would be spat upon, that he would bear the penalty for the iniquities of all humanity. That this Messiah would be a sacrifice that would provide peace between humans and God. These are all prophecies about the Messiah. The the prophet said that this one would be silent before his accusers. That he would be led like a lamb to the slaughter. That he would be judged. That he would be killed. That he would be placed in a rich man's tomb. The prophecy said... That he would then be resurrected and live forever. That he would send the spirit of God to his people. And that he would once again come to Zion and redeem all those who repent of their sins. This is what the scriptures say. This is what the people of old were waiting for and looking for and hoping for. And it's Jesus. He fulfilled all of these prophecies and more. These are prophecies about that child that would be born, that we celebrate at Christmas time. Oh, and also, he would be born of a virgin. We know this one from Isaiah 7:14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God, who came in human flesh, is now with humanity. And so the Lord revealed this to his people through his word, that he would break into our existence in human form, that he would send that rescuer who could save us from our predicament of sin. And it's Jesus, fully God, fully human. Just as it was written, Jesus came and fulfilled all of these prophecies. And then we know he went to the cross. He, he paid this penalty that you and I owe, that, that was a, a debt of sin for all of humanity because of our wrongdoings, even though Jesus was innocent. And we know that on the third day, by the power of God, he was resurrected back to life and that he lives forevermore, that he ascended into heaven. And now here we are waiting for his sure return. And so, friends, the reason I recap all of that is to say because it gives us a thrill of hope. The thrill of hope in Christmas is not the feast that's going to take place. It's not the gifts that you're going to unwrap. It's not the carols that you will sing or the lights you will see. It is the sure return of our Lord Jesus. And so we eagerly await, just as we've been encouraged by our brother Nathaniel this morning, get ready. Jesus is coming. And so... We have this hope that Christ will return, this thrill of hope. So here's what I want to do with the rest of our time together. I want to share with you three ways that hope impacts your life. When you have this thrill of hope based on the word of God, how hope impacts your life. And the first is that hope gives us courage. 
So again, we saw this last week, this uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and chapter 5. Paul says multiple times, he's talking about the return of Christ, and he says, encourage one another with this good news. Encourage. In other words, instill courage in one another. Jesus is coming, so be courageous. The, the life that's infused with hope because of Christ is one that is confident. It's one that is courageous. For if we have hope of Jesus' return, then we're going to be about his business. Like he's coming back. Get ready. Do his deeds. Work for him. We're, we're going to be about spreading the good news. We're, we're going to be about helping others to understand the good news of a life in Christ. Newness of life. Forgiveness of sins. All because of him. But that takes courage, doesn't it? That takes a lot of courage. To, to be willing, especially in our culture, to be willing to stand on a truth, to, to be willing to call sin, sin, to say there's one way, not all these other ways, there's one way and it's Jesus. He's the only hope we have for eternal life. That takes a lot of courage. But we have courage because we are in God's hands. Because we're, we're trusting him. We're, we're, we're not just entrusting ourselves to humanity. We're not just trusting our own ingenuity. We are entrusting ourselves to the Lord. I love this quote from Corey Ten Boom. She once said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. So courage doesn't come from saying, I assent to the uh, fact that there's a higher uh, being. Uh, intellectually, I can say, yes, there's, art- uh, there's intelligent design. There's some other higher power. Courage comes from, I know the Lord, and he knows me. I know his goodness. I know his characteristics. I don't know him fully. I know him in part, but he fully knows me. And it's out of that place of knowing the Lord that we say, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen in my life. I don't know what's going to happen in our nation and in our world. And as I look around, I see a lot of brokenness, and I see a lot of hopelessness, but I have hope. Why? Because I trust the Lord. And he has it under control. We can be courageous in hope because we know with certainty what God is up to. And what do the scriptures talk about? God's love. God's love unfailing. God's love giving us courage. His love that is steadfast, unchanging, eternal. And this love that God has for you is not based on your performance. It's not based on your worthiness. It's certainly not based on your ability to reciprocate. It's based on him. It's based on his word. It's a love that is freely given without condition, without expectation. And so our hope is firmly rooted in the Lord's ability to do what he says he will do. That's where our hope lies. This isn't this wishy-washy, maybe, perhaps, cross-my-fingers optimism. This is bold. This is courageous. This is certainty in the promises of God. We know what the biblical definition of faith is from Hebrews 11.1. It is being sure of what we hope for. Did you catch that? The hope is not wishy-washy or cross my fingers. It is sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. That's faith. I know God's going to come through. I know God's going to do what he says he's going to do. How do I know that? Because time and time and time again, he has done it. God's word says it. He has fulfilled it. And, and this is the, one of the best times of year to reflect on that as we 
think about and reflect on and teach the birth of Christ, the fulfillment of hundreds of Old Testament prophecies. It gives us a thrill of hope. And hope is powerful. In fact, hope changes everything. Again, it doesn't come from ourselves. It doesn't come from our circumstances. It is hope that is grounded in the character of God, grounded in the faithfulness of God. So hope gives us courage. The second way that hope impacts our lives is it gives us comfort. Hope gives us comfort. Now, uh, if you're like me, you watch sporting events. And have you ever noticed when you're watching a game or some sort of sporting event where the losing side thinks that they're going to be defeated? Of course you have. you got a team that's down. you you got a tennis match where one person is dominating the other. You, you have a side who is defeated, and you can tell, and oftentimes when I watch sports, I call this out, this moment where it happens. You can tell by their body language. You go, oh, they're defeated. They, they lost hope. They don't think they can win. They're, they're not hoping to come out as victors in this game. That's the one had. The one goal they had was to win the game, to win the match. And yet they've lost that because you can tell they, well, so when you have the, let's say you have the starters on the, let's say it's a, a basketball game and the starters are still on the floor. What do you see? They feel awkward. They feel uncomfortable. They're like, get me out of here. This is embarrassing. Like, take me out of the game, put the bench players in, because I feel so awkward. I feel so uncomfortable. We've lost the game. We're not going to win. They've lost hope. So you see this in the world of sports. On the other hand, what about that team that just doesn't lose hope? What what about that opponent that he's getting beat, he's been beat all day, and yet you can tell with every shot, he's like, I I'm not giving up. I'm going to give my best. I'm going to lay it all in line. When the final buzzer sounds, then I'll say, I'll concede. Okay, I got defeated. You can see it. You can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their body language. The the team, the person who still wants it, who has not given up hope, they're still giving it. They don't know if they're going to win or lose, but they are not worried about anything other than pulling it off. Right? It's not that awkward, embarrassed, hey, just get me out of here. What are the fans thinking? It's I'm still going to lay out. I'm still going to give it all my hustle, everything. The hope makes them comfortable giving their best effort. And when the game ends, that's when they say, I gave it my all. I did my best. Win or lose. They know they gave it their best. They never lost hope. And really, they can feel good about that. Hope gives us comfort. We don't reach that awkward stage. But let, let's go to the way Paul describes it. This is still in Romans 15, but we jump down to verse 13. Here's how he describes hope. He says, may the God of hope. Again, the hope doesn't come from us. It's rooted in the character of God and the faithfulness of God. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> The one who trusts in the Lord is overflowing with hope. You do not have the capacity to contain the hope that is within you. It overflows to all those around you. It impacts those who are near you. Why? Because you are overflowing with it. What a great image. And what a great comfort. In fact, so often as I talk to people about the word of God, one of the things I ask people is what what role does scripture play in your life? So many times the word that arises is comfort. Comfort. 
The word of God is a, it is a refuge. It is a comfort. And, and this verse in, in Romans 15, 13 reassures us as we trust in God, he fills our lives with good things. Fills our lives with things like joy and peace. He gives us hope even in our darkest circumstances. He sustains us. He uplifts us. He gives us the strength to face whatever lies around the corner. So I want to challenge us this morning. Is your worship louder than your worry? Because if you're overflowing with hope, you praise the living God for what he's doing. God comforts our hearts. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Take heart. I have overcome the world. He has this way of transforming our life. He has this way of transforming our attitude. And listen, I'm not talking about, when I, when I say this, this hopeful attitude that overcomes even the darkest of times, I'm not talking about the, I'm going to just bet on myself mentality. You hear that? I'm going to just take a chance on myself. No one else says I can do it, but I believe in me. I hope that I can be good enough. I hope I can be capable enough. I hope I can be smart enough or strong enough. That's not the kind of hope I'm talking about. That, that, that's not the, the comforting, confident hope that I see in Scripture. What I mean is we acknowledge that we don't have control over every aspect of our lives. <laughs> and yet, as crippling and debilitating as that can be, we choose instead to trust that it's God who's in control. And so, therefore, we are comforted by the faithfulness of God. And so, really, this is where hope gives us comfort. Uh, in Philippians 4, 7, I want to take us there this morning as well, where Paul says, The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Hope gives us comfort because God is in control. And he's working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So again, the hope we have is rooted in the scriptures. We heard from Psalm 25 this morning. Eileen read for us verses 1 through 7. Um, notice there in the first few verses, it says, In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. So when you trust in the Lord, you have security like never before. God has your back. That's the certainty that we have of our hope in Christ. It's not, well, maybe at the end of the age, if God was real and I said I was a Christian, then I'll get saved. It's God has my back today. God has my back tomorrow. You know what? God had my back yesterday. While we were still sinners, the scripture says, Christ died for us. And so we know with certainty that when we put our hope in him, he will come through. He knows what you're facing. He knows the accusations. He knows the challenges. He knows your failures. And he says, I will see you through. Never will I leave you nor forsake you. When we put our trust in him, we are his children. We belong to him. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. So we can trust in God and we can trust God's word. If he has come through on everything he's promised before, 
He is going to do it again. What a comfort that is. Hope gives us courage. Hope gives us comfort. And one final point this morning. How does hope impact your life? Well, it gives us the capacity to persevere. Do you remember the experiment I shared with you guys about the rats? Anybody remember that? Raise your hand if you remember. Okay, uh, I was expecting way more hands to go up than that. That's okay, that's helpful. Um, this was an experiment. I didn't want to take a whole lot of time on this. Done in the 1950s, and they took rats beakers of water. Uh, it's really cruel, inhumane. They couldn't do it today because of animal cruelty. It was all fair game. So they put these rats in beakers of water to see how long they would tread water before they drowned. And the rats made it 15 minutes. And they drowned. They died. Okay, throw them away. So then they took a second batch of rats. They put them in the same beakers of water, and they allowed them to tread water. And so at the 15-minute mark, the rats were starting to succumb. They're going under. They're losing their treading ability. But what they did differently with the second batch was they scooped them out just before they died. So the second batch then had hope. They dried them off. They let them kind of catch their little rat breaths. They, they, they let them get a few minutes of rest, and then they put them back in the beakers of water. Now, there's not going to be any rescue the second time. It's just we now have two different groups of rats. One that drowned after 15 minutes. Another that was rescued after those 15 minutes and now has a taste of hope that's put back into the water not knowing how long they would last. They've been rested. Maybe it will be about 15 minutes. And so the rats tread water. So 15 minutes comes, and the rats are still treading water. They're going to go farther this time. Why? Because they know that a hand could reach in and scoop them out. Half an hour, one hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, five hours, the rats are still treading water. Ten hours, 24 hours. What are the rats doing? Still treading water. Why? Because they have hope. 36 hours, rats are still treading water. The scientists are like, I want to go home and, and sleep and eat at this point. Like, take over for me. 48 hours, the rats are still treading water. 60 hours, the rats are still treading water. Their friends had died after 15 minutes. But the ones who had hope made it almost three days before they drowned. That's the power of hope. So when I say that hope gives you the capacity to persevere, I'm saying if a rat can tread water for three days, certainly you can hold on to Christ in difficult times. What good news we have, my friends. There is power in hope. It gives us the capacity to persevere through tribulation, through trial, through suffering. It gives us strength. And we know that our present sufferings are not even worth comparing with the glory that is to come. And it's been said that hope shines the darkest, that shines the brightest in darkness. So it's through those seasons that are really hard and gut-wrenching and, and you say, I don't know if I can make it through this. It's that weight that's upon you that say, you say, I'm not sure I can bear this. This seems like it's going to crush me. It's then that your hope rises up because of Christ, because of his word, because of what he's done. In the midst of those trials, that's where the power of hope is most evident, Christ in you. And, and Peter tells us in 1 Peter 4, don't be surprised 
at the hardship and the suffering that you experience as a follower of Jesus. He says this, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. He says, but rejoice. Rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. There's an end to the suffering. There's an end to the hardship. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Jesus is coming back. He says to be, wait a minute, let's reread that. Be glad when we're suffering. Like what, what kind of Bible are we reading, friends? What's the pastor teaching today? Be happy when things are hard. But when you're being insulted and persecuted because of your faith, like in our culture, grief and joy are incompatible. You can't be happy and sad at the same time. You can't have hardship and yet be overjoyed. And yet for the of Jesus, <laughs> we have both. Like, of course we grieve when those hardships come. There's no avoiding that. Of course we carry sorrow and hurt when we're struggling. But we have joy. And see, the joy is not dependent on our circumstances. In fact, I've said it this way before. Joy is not dependent on your circumstances. You have joy despite your circumstances. You have joy no matter what you're walking through. We have joy because of Jesus. And Jesus is eternal. Jesus is forever. Jesus is not going away. Jesus is not shifting like shadows. He will never leave you. He is coming back for you. And you will spend eternity with him for the one who puts their trust in him and who endures. So suffering is not going to extinguish our joy. No, 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 no. Sadness cannot trump hope. In fact, in that same passage there in 1 Peter, the next verse, he goes on to say that we're blessed if we're insulted because of Jesus. <laughs> we're ble- like he, he's using this language that just smacks against our cultural sensibilities. Be glad when you're suffering. You're blessed when you're insulted and persecuted. And we go, what are you talking about? Well, listen, you're not just blessed when you have material goods when you have physical health, when you have loving family and friends, when you have the opportunity to be at MCA on December 17th, 2023. Yeah, those are all blessings, but that's not the extent of it. We are blessed when we call on the name of the Lord and he hears us. That's a blessing. Even if it's a guttural cry of help, oh God. We're blessed when we call on the Lord. We are blessed when life becomes so overwhelming, we cannot stand and we just fall helplessly on the mercy of God. And he holds us. That's blessing. We're blessed when we're insulted and yet we don't deny Christ or or the spirit of God that rests upon us. We are blessed when at the end of the age, our name is found written in the Lamb's book of life. That's blessing. We will be welcomed into eternal paradise in the presence of Christ. Listen, if you are living with hope, you do not get bogged down by life's circumstances, by those things that are hard, by suffering, by challenge. Why? Because your life is centered on Christ. You are rooted in him and in God's word. And he is faithful. 
And so we are waiting eagerly with expectation the day that he returns as King of kings and Lord of lords. So be encouraged. Take heart. When you're suffering, and maybe you feel like it's never going to end, hear me today, it will end. And one day, there will be the eternal reward. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And really, in the Bible, as we look at the scriptures, from Genesis to Revelation, the beautiful thing is that God not only shows us how things began, or even how they progressed through human history, he reveals the great story of redemption through Christ, but he also shows us how things will end. It's a non-horrible spoiler. (laughs) Revelation 21 John says, I heard a loud voice from the throne. It said, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. It says he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. What a day that will be. What a thrill of hope we have now as we eagerly await it and God's culmination at the return of Christ. We're going to see him face to face. We're going to be with him for for all eternity. And this, this relationship with Jesus, it starts now. It starts today and it lasts forever. In fact, if you're here this morning, And you want to pray and say, I want to enter into that relationship with the God of the universe and know Christ as my Savior. Come and find me after the service. I would be honored to pray with you and go with you before God's throne of grace. Our prayer team is going to be available right in the front here. If you have a burden that's weighing you down, we would love to come alongside you and help bear that burden. It's because of the Holy Spirit that we can have a relationship with God now. We can know him. We can have fellowship with him. And that is because Jesus came. Broke into our existence. Came to earth. Born as a baby. That's the good news of Christmas. Christ put on flesh to dwell among us. And so I would challenge you and encourage you and yes, remind you (laughs) to lean into God's word each and every day. Do that in this season. There's no better way to celebrate Christmas. I I challenged you with that two weeks ago. Make it a priority every day I'm going to spend in God's word. I'll remind you also to freely share the good news of Jesus. Tell about God to those that you're around. That was the challenge from last Sunday. So I thought I would issue a, a new challenge for this week. Would you consider inviting someone to come next Sunday to our Christmas service? Next Sunday morning, 9 o'clock, right here, December 24th, for MCA's Christmas service. Who in your life should come to worship, to hear the good news, to experience Christmas with you? So consider that. Who who would you invite next Sunday? In Christ, only in Christ, is there hope. For each day, there is hope. For each season of life, there is hope along this journey of faith. And what good news? The Lord has given us a sign. (laughs) The virgin conceived and gave birth to a son, and he is called Emmanuel, 
Let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have this morning to draw near to you, to hear the good news, the redemptive plan of God throughout human history, fulfilled in Christ as the Messiah, and the thrill of hope we have as we eagerly await his sure return. Lord, I do pray we would be ready. (laughs) So Lord, send your Holy Spirit. Give us a courage, a comfort, and a capacity to persevere, Lord, based on you, who you are, and your faithfulness throughout the ages, Lord. We trust you, and we entrust ourselves to you with grateful hearts. Lord, we bless you. We love you. We thank you for your endless love for us, and we pray it all in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.